everyone. My name is Jordi Mueller, and thank you for joining us in the Empower Women series of the month of June. Um, this month is a very interesting one for me uh, for two things. First of all, I am not a parent, so I, I had to get a lot of feedback from people around me of what was top of mind. But the topic itself, it's a little bit of a merge between uh, what's going on in society and technology and, and how it affects children. And the specific topic was raising digital natives and kind of like what's now, what's next, what's coming, what people don't know uh, that their children are involved and dealing with in a daily basis. And we couldn't have a better guest this month than Katie Greer. Um, how are you doing, Katie? I'm good, Jordi. How are you? Good. Um, Katie has been in this space for a little while, and uh, she comes from a law enforcement background and has been now for the second time uh, really grateful for her time and, and kind of like have talks with here with Lexington folks, but also we recorded a video where we had her in the spotlight uh, for the Empower Women website. And we have learned a lot of what she does. And every time she comes to the office, there's like this wave of people after coming to my office saying, Katie told me this, is this for real? Like I should be changing the settings on my kids' accounts? And I was like, well, you probably should consider it because I am not the law enforcement expert in this, but I have some technology background. So I'm hoping we have a really fun conversation today on best practices and kind of like the real threats that uh, our children are facing today in this social media uh, environment yeah um, I wanted to start with with basically asking uh, why did you get into this space I mean it's not something that was in existence 15 years ago but obviously you had children so I'm assuming I had something to do but why don't you tell the story yourself yeah, so actually it was a complete accident. Uh, I take no intellectual credit for doing this on purpose. Um, uh, I did not have kids at the time. I was actually a recent college graduate and I graduated early. I thought my dad was going to tell me that I could go travel the world or something, but he didn't. He said, go get a job. Good job. <laughs> so I truthfully applied for something that sounded kind of cool. My background, my uh, degree was in sociology with a minor in psychology and early childhood education. So it had nothing at all to do with law enforcement. I don't have my dad's um, was a principal and superintendent. We have no one in our family um, at that time that was in law enforcement. Uh, but I ended up uh, applying for a job at the attorney general's office in Massachusetts as an administrative assistant to the criminal bureau chief. Um, and I started working there and I had a wonderful boss who um, really just let me explore different things that they were working in, whether it was the tunnel collapse that happened. He just was always bringing me to different meetings and exposing me to different things. And one unit there was the Internet Crimes Unit, which I was really confused about at the beginning because I grew up, you know, kind of in the time where this all came about and was fascinated and using it with friends and instant messaging and things like that. So um, I was really confused why they had an Internet Crimes Unit yeah. because I wasn't aware of any crimes online. So <laughs> like nobody um, was actually. Right. Much of aware. course. No yeah. one talks about this stuff. Yeah, like yeah. you said. And so I started going to some of the meetings and I went, met a prosecutor there who was wonderful. And she kind of took me under her wings and taught me a lot about the things that were going on. These terrible, horrible, scary, worst of the worst uh, situations. And we thought it was kind of important not to just deal with this reactively, but be a bit proactive yeah. and talk to kids about how they can keep themselves safe. Because it's not that hard to do. Um, but no one was having that conversation. And uh, and. And I think we're definitely going to get to the point or the conversation of like this really bad stuff can happen and has happened. And this is why you should, sure. should protect. But um, mm -hmm. I 
I was very surprised when asking around of like what they wanted to know about you or questions about that you could probably answer regarding their kids' social media life. Uh, mm -hmm. The number one question that came up, and I probably we should start there, is the emotional consequences of social media and mm -hmm. how could they protect their kids? And I was like, oh, I don't know if Katie can answer that question, but I'll ask <laughs> it anyways, or what you because you talk to a lot of people and. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, like the, the question is like, yeah, we can we can adopt all these measurements and like try to secure privacy in our kids' social media and figure mm -hmm. out how what age is correct and et cetera, et cetera. But man, we cannot do anything about the emotional consequences of what can happen if we're bullying or if they're not included sure. in a post, if they're not in a group chat, if they social, if they didn't get the Snapchat notification like everybody else yeah. around them. Um, are you seeing a little bit more of like research or anything uh, coming up in this particular part of the conversation? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, I mean, it's a loaded question as well, right? We could sit here and talk all day about yes. this and, <laughs> and the significant research that has come out um, about the the suspected impact and the measured impact so far. But the weird thing about all of this is that this stuff is fairly new. So we, we can assume and we can study kids' brains right now and we can ask questions about how does this make you feel and measure it in a snapshot in time. But we don't really have any longitudinal information that tells us that, yes, in fact, this is really bad or, in fact, this is really good for our kids' brains. We can just kind of um, go off of you know our personal personal, what we've dealt with or what we've seen kids go through. I certainly have talked to kids throughout the country and seen this go both ways, that there are really wonderful emotional um, benefits to this. For instance, I was working um, at a school where a kid was on the spectrum And he has a really hard time, as a lot of kids with autism do, socializing with peers in person. But he's been able to socialize with the help of his parents and create, uh, you know, socialize online with people in his school and things like that. Of course, I don't advocate socializing with strangers, but, um, uh, you know, they've, they've found a network of kids in his school that he can socialize with online, which I think is so wonderful. But then I've also heard the many horror stories of, like you said, kids that aren't getting included and the parents that are trying to balance this. And Jordi, I think at the end of the day, we can all agree that there's no one formula yeah. that will make this right for everyone across the board. Of course, uh, everyone's different. No. Yeah. But I think what is really important that we all can agree on is an appropriate balance, right? Striking that balance in your household. And that B word is a word that I use all day, every single day. It's what, what is it? What, and by the way, what the balance is for your social and emotional health might be different than what the balance is for my social and emotional health. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important too. I, I think parents are so thirsty and I get it as a parent myself for like an answer. What's the amount of time they can spend online? What yeah. should I let them on when? And it's not a one size fits all. So it's really kind of peeling back the layers and doing what's best for your family and your kids. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, and by the way, I appreciate the honesty on your answer when it comes to like, there is not right answer yet because we have no idea on data. Mm -hmm. um, I just to, and this is, I tend to remind everyone that comes to my office for advice on this particular thing. And again, they come for advice on their personal lives. It's like, sure. hey, what should I do in my home environment, et cetera. And You're I like say, hey. yeah. yeah, and I say, hey guys, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I say, hey guys, just so you know, the iPad one was released on April, 2010. There's, mm -hmm. le there's not even a 10 years of data on like people right. using iPads. So, right. so when you see a kid, like you see an iPad like 24 seven, And it's like, oh, that's so bad for them. I always say, like, 
how exactly do you know that? Like, right. like they're still like 18 years old. Like, so I don't right. know like, the consequences. I'm assuming I can probably assume that it will be bad for social, but it doesn't matter because they might be talking to other people within their social environment, in the gaming or in, within the virtual world, and they might feel right. more connected, which I've heard a lot of actually research on this part, mm-hmm. uh, which I was surprised by the way. Uh, so, so, so yeah, we don't know yet. So that's the actual honest answer on this. Um, right. I do want to say uh, there are threats out there and yes. and the threats come in in a i would say very sneaky ways very uh, hard to detect ways and what has the thing that i want you probably to nail down today is that there's this middle generation like i am 34 we were definitely aware of social media stuff around 10 years ago so uh-huh. we we didn't grow up on it we're familiar with it we can live with it right if people that are like eight years older than me and they uh-huh. have teenage kids, they didn't grow yes. up with it. So, right. so they are kind of like learning with their kids. Sure. Um, so so tell, let's talk about like the biggest threats that children currently, younger years, teenage years, are facing when it comes to social media. And this is actual threats. Yeah. So I really worry about strangers and how casual we are. How as parents, and I've, you know, as a, I have a six and a seven year old, so we've really nailed down at like two or three or four the whole stranger thing, right? Don't talk to strangers, don't get in cars with strangers. If a stranger comes in the neighborhood, come let us know. So I feel like that's a parenting checklist that we all do and go through. And once we check that box, we're like, okay, done. We did it. We don't need to revisit this again. But with all these games, <laughs> games and social media being in the hands of young kids, which is a whole other topic of conversation, I think we kind of forget to revisit this whole issue of strangers online and how that can really be problematic. So we so casually hop into a game with someone we don't know, even though one of the things I say to kids is like, yeah, but you wouldn't go to a park tonight by yourself at nine o'clock at night and play games and converse with, you know, 50 to a hundred strangers. But we feel comfortable doing that in a game where you could exchange information or people are looking to exploit information or solicit information, I should say. And, and that do you mind if I ask is, you a little sure. further on that particular topic? So yeah. uh, that question came up a few times. It's like, oh, we don't, I don't want them talking to strangers. And I was like, okay, so what it's, what, what's the fear? Like, what is the actual fear? Yes, I think the fear is um, soliciting information and trying to get people to meet online. And these people really taking advantage of younger kids. I guess this comes from um, this part of my fear about this. And the reason I think it's so important to talk about is um, I come from the dark side of this, right? Where, uh, gosh, I've heard the worst of the worst of the scariest stories, which don't happen every day, by the way. Um, But I just think that kids need to be less and parents need to be less casual about communicating with complete strangers online and at least know that um, some of these people are really well versed in getting information from kids or exploiting them or um, getting them to talk offline or in a different space and, uh, you know, uh, blackmailing them for information or whatever it may be. And there are so many different ways that we can be online and communicate with people that we do know that I feel like this stranger uh issue is something that just kind of falls along the wayside and we don't talk about often enough. No, I, I completely agree with you. And and this is like 
the premise of why do people have public profiles versus private mm -hmm. profiles and then what is the public chats inst instead of private chats or forums or boardrooms or whatever it is and it always comes down to like this need for social acceptance uh, mm -hmm. or at least yes. a part of that and yeah and especially uh, i mean i was a teenager <laughs> like right. that that is a must have in your teenage years uh, i actually don't know if i would survive teenage like like teenage years now it's crazy like how much you need to be on top of your stuff uh, yes. but so yeah so i i agree with that now do you recommend everybody having a private profile in everything instead of public and why so two answers on that yes for your personal profiles um i definitely recommend kids have private profiles and i want to kind of uh, bring up an article in a minute about that but i'll answer your question first um i think that uh, everyone my, i have two profiles so i have my own on instagram on facebook um so you have a instagram I have a Finsta, yes, which is not as always as bad as it sounds. Um, we can talk about that as well. But uh, so mine is private, my own personal profile where I share pictures of my kids and things that we do and things that I do. And then I have my public facing one, which is for business. And I use that to spread messages about my business and to give people tips. So I think it's okay to be public for certain reasons, but if you're just public, it is so crazy to me. I get it from the psychological standpoint and from the social standpoint, but I think that's, again, one of the reasons that I talk to high school students about strangers, which most people are like, oh, no, no, no. They don't need to be talked to about strangers. I'm like, oh, yeah? <laughs> have you seen how many followers they have? It's insanity that we're giving random strangers, you know, there were 3 billion people on Instagram and the fact that we're giving them full access to our lives is just craziness. Yeah. Um, and, and when it breaks the question of... Uh... Um, uh, location like like there's a lot of mm. a lot of people were like why do people need to know the location and yeah. what are the fears in that that came um, from one specific person here he's like I'm always worried that my kids are putting where they are and sometimes right. I don't even know where they are unless I right. check their Instagram uh, yeah. or the story and uh, t can you tell us why location is probably one of the most private things we should keep Yeah. And it's so sneaky. I find that, yeah. you know, we're happy to sh like, who is not excited to share that we went to the Bruins game, um, at, at the garden and we went to the Stanley cup championship. It's like a super exciting thing that I get, but people don't realize that that's become searchable information. So I feel like these locations and information collection are so woven into all these apps and, uh, different sites that we use that we don't even think about it anymore. And from a security standpoint, we need to like pump the brakes and realize how this information is being managed. I'll tell you, when I talk to kids about this, this is one of the most, I think, powerful things that I talk about, not because I think it's powerful, but from the reaction that I get is that when you put it like that, that like these people are collecting and manipulating and using your information and your locations can be searchable. I feel like kids really feel like they've been duped and they don't like that. Yeah. So I don't think it's I don't think it's them intentionally being like, "Ooh, everyone come find me at the garden tonight because I just checked in here." I think they don't really understand how this information is being circulated and how it can be searchable and they don't think about the fact that okay, it's cool that my friends see that I'm at the garden, but it's not cool that three billion people can search the fact 
even if we're not friends, that I'm at the garden. Right? So, and it comes to the private versus public. Um, yeah. Okay. Now, uh, there's a lot of apps that people use. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, the majority of listeners, the majority of people you would talk to, they're familiar with the big three or big four, uh, like Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook. Now, no one, yeah. obviously, people should know. And if they know, if they don't know by now, they should. Instagram, Facebook, mm-hmm. same database, same company. Uh, right. So, is there another ad that you would say, man, if your kid is getting into this, they shouldn't? Like, this is, like, not good. Uh, yeah. So, there's one that I've heard about for years now, and I thought it kind of, um, I thought it would fade because these apps come in and out so quickly. Yeah. Um, there is one that's called Omegle. Okay. And what it is is it's a live video chat with strangers. Oh, my God. So we sit here and go, oh, my God, I can't believe that. But, Jordy, you and I are sort of the same age. Um, And, like, it's like going into a chat room, like, you know, an AOL chat room and just going in and kind of messing around with people or sitting there and laughing at what different people say. This is that for them. But this is, like, our chat rooms on drug, on fire, and oh on steroids God. and live, right? So you can imagine all the craziness. But these kids don't see it as dangerous. They see it as hilarious. <laughs> so th- I, this is where I, there's a, there's some times that I'm like, so much is out of our control. And, right. and I, I always like to find the line of that. Like, this is out of our control. This is not out of our control. There's certain age when you're managing teenage, especially teenage kids or teenage children or adults. Like, they, sometimes they act like adults. Uh that you just had to settle and, and, and just set boundaries instead of prohibiting. So yeah. I don't know if we can talk a little bit about what, what you recommend to be some of the boundaries that we can start set, setting up early on in the, in the life of, I guess, the social media life of teenage people. Yeah. Um, so I think you just hit upon something that is the key to all of this. And that is early on, right? That the younger we can talk to our kids about this, the more success we'll have. It worries me. And I find that it's a little bit less effective when we, our kids hit 13 and they can finally have one of these apps, um, which isn't the case most of the time because a lot of these kids have apps way earlier, um, or these social media apps earlier. And I think the big key is, you know, I talk to my six and seven year old all of the time about these apps. And of course they don't have any of these apps. Actually. In fact, I don't let them use any app, uh, any, um, uh, tablets or computers yeah. or phones, or it's just something that we decided in our family. Um, but, uh, you know, we have this conversation all the time and I show them examples of, Oh, um, why someone would post this or what would happen if someone saw that we went to the garden tonight or that we went here on vacation. And we talk about these things every single day. Um, so I think it's really, really helpful, not getting them their own accounts, but you know, a lot of parents are on social media and they can be really good teachable moments on social media, good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, when it kind of uh, comes to setting them up for a, a positive uh, experience with social media when they when they're old enough. Yeah, there's a. I think they're one of the key conversations that, uh, including in my social media, I, I I keep every time I try to post something or I think about posting something is that life is continuous. Like it's not like social media will disappear like right. for, for what you have posted in the past it's like yes. like this will come with you and right. and every everything you put out there will eventually be analyzed will eventually mm-hmm. be judged and it's not that you shouldn't care 
or about what people think about it, but you should care about what people are getting to know about you without you thinking about it. Uh, sure. And the biggest example I can think of is college applications. And it's like, yeah. you go through this process and then you don't start thinking about college until you're 16 or maybe like late right. 15 and you're like, oh, but I've been posting all this kind of stuff. And like, yep, and it's searchable. And it's and, and colleges get good at this. Uh, sure. Even if you delete it, they can probably find it. Uh, sure. so, so do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think... There's a couple parts to this. One, um, and I want to bring up this article that I brought up yesterday. Go and ahead. it's probably the best article I've ever read on um, on social media and kids. And it was written by a pediatric nurse who has kids of her own. And what she says in this article is, I think, something that we can all kind of get behind. And she says that, look, we have known forever. Forget how you feel about social media. Forget how you feel about this generation of kids, which a lot of these articles are like either bash social media saying how bad and terrible and dangerous and horrible it is, or they bash this generation of kids who are like lazy and incompetent and terrible and horrible. Which is not true. It's not, of course. And that's what I love so much about this article. She says, forget all that. Let's talk about something as rational human beings that we have known forever. And what we've known is that these kids, their brains aren't fully developed yet. Yes. Right. That's not before before a computer ever existed, this has been forever, we have known that kids' brains aren't fully developed yet. So when we put something in front of them as complex, not bad, but complex as social media, or as complex as like a car, right? We don't let 10-year-olds drive. It would be convenient, but they don't have the skills yet to be able to drive um, and make these decisions that yeah. will keep them safe and keep other people safe. So we have an age limit for that. But that if we put something as complex as social media in front of them, that their chances of being successful at this point in their life is probably very slim. Yeah. Right. So, so I think that is a really important part of all of this is that not that kids are bad or they're doing bad things or, but maybe that they're not ready to handle all of the complexities of social media at this point in their life. So I think that is also feeds into your question of when we think about, you know, um, doing something on spring break or sending something to our friends that we think is like cheeky or funny and ends up insulting a whole group of people that maybe their brains aren't stopping. We know, right? Everyone makes mistakes. We did the same exact thing when we were kids. The difference between us and kids now is that the chances of the stuff that we did, the mistakes we made being memorialized are zero compared to what these kids, um, could, you know, photograph and text message about and Snapchat about um, and things like that. So I think they are at an unfair disadvantage when it comes to um, their every single moment being captured online. I wanted to ask you, um, uh, by the way, that I think that is what you just mentioned is a complete point that everybody can agree on. Um, And it, it just... I, all it does, I think it shows that we treat social media for some reason differently currently. Right. And it should be treated as everything else that we right. manage in our lives. That being said, I uh, and that and just a, a little bit of a segue, I remember growing up, um, our parents, like this is like literally friends of our friends and like an extended community of, of parents would kind of get together and agree on like, 
okay, now they're 14, they can come back at this time. And everybody in the parent, like all the parents knew, like now it was okay to be back like at 10 p.m., right? So there was uh -huh. no like the outlier. There was not right. like, and oh yeah, kids are starting to like have a drink. They can, they are drinking now. So everybody would agree that, yeah, if, if it's in the house, it's okay. I don't know right. why this doesn't happen for social media. Like, I don't it know why. at all. I know it's almost like your household makes the rules, but you don't know what the household next to you is doing. But what, right. what that kid is doing will affect definitely your kid. If you have it, if you're private and the other one is public and the other one puts a picture, then your kid now is kind of like vulnerable to the consequences of that post, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I, yeah, I wanted to get your opinion on that because you're a mom. I'm assuming you would like for all the moms around to get together and say, hey, guys, this is what we should be doing. This should be private. This should not be private. This should be deleted of the phones. Absolutely. And that's one of the points I make in all of my presentations to parents. I say, look, it takes a village. Why aren't we all talking about our expectations? Like, you know, when you send your child over to someone's house, you want to know their rules about stuff. And exactly. if you don't know, you ask. So that's honestly one of the things that I say, because I don't want my kids go on uh, tablets or phones or iPads. And I let parents know, look, this is, I totally respect your household, but I just want to let you know that my kids, um, I don't let them go or use any of this stuff. So um, just kind of laying out there what my expectations are, but no one has ever asked me what my expectation is in my house, which is bizarre, right? Why don't, why aren't we talking about that? Right. Yeah. Why, why don't you want to know that if your child comes over to my house to play with my kids, that I'm not going to plop them in front of an iPad and they're going to search on YouTube and do whatever they want to do. That should be a really, really important question. But I think that's a fundamental problem with all of this is that yeah. we, and I, I feel like the generation of parents who are just kind of up and coming, um, who are just have little kids, I feel like they are going to be the, the group that starts asking questions. Cause I see a lot of them now putting boundaries on uh, what, other people post of their kids, right? Do not yeah. take a picture of my child. Do not post them on social media. Um, I want full control over this. So I feel like that is going to be a conversation that will start to be had. And I am just as shocked as you that it's not part of our conversations right now. But I never once have been asked any of those questions um, about my kids and what's yeah. expected in my household, yeah. which is weird. Yeah. And you touched uh, just now, you touched on a topic that uh, a lot of people bundled together, which is like, time with technology versus what you do with the technology um and i think they're completely different like i i yeah. i applaud like companies like apple trying to bring to your attention yeah. like not just screen time but like segregation of apps within screen yeah. time and all that but that doesn't right. touch the security part and doesn't touch like the interaction sure. and like like the ranges of stuff that you should be doing uh yep. which i think that's the next level and a different conversation so uh right. sorry i i promise you not to be a long conversation but i do want to close with uh something that i ask in every episode uh which is if I could do something tomorrow to improve this particular area of my life, or in this particular case, my kid's life or the household that I am in, what should I be doing? Uh, if, if we could do something for Just kids. the first step, yeah. Okay. Um, if we could do something, I think we would make mandatory off times for entire families to put this stuff down in a way for a moment that. in time. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Uh, it's very. You know, I think, yeah, it's coming yeah, now, somebody, right? Yeah. 
It is. And so many people focus on like how much time can we have? How much time is appropriate? How much time can I give them? Instead of that, how about we all focus on how much time we can just give our brains a break from this stuff? And I don't mean forever. I don't mean never using the phones because they're bad and horrible. We wouldn't exist. We, we wouldn't be doing this without it. Right. Yes. But I mean, how many, how many times can we all just be mindful every day to try to give ourselves an intentional break from this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And the answer is not using an app on your phone, by the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> and yeah, the answer right, right, shouldn't exactly. be yes. use an app on your phone. <laughs> like, yeah, right, right, exactly. No, that's awesome. So so I, I can totally jump on board uh, with that. And uh, I try myself to do that, like deleting apps. So that means I will not use my phone and then leave it at the car, etc. It's hard. It's really hard. It, it takes a village. Hard, it takes also community. It's really liberating if you can be consistent yeah. with it. And um, you can get more sleep. You can go enjoy yeah. Uh, playing. It's so funny. I was in a presentation not too long ago. And one of the questions I ask all the kids now is how many of you think that um, people in your house are spending too much time on the, on, on their phones and devices and almost every single child and every single age group raises their hands. And one of the um, first grade students raised their hand and was like, well, I trick my dad and I tell him, that if he wants to come outside and play catch with me, I know he's going to have to put his phone down because he can't be on his phone I, and play catch with me at the same time. That <laughs> is amazing. So I didn't want to. I didn't want to talk about it uh, that particular topic in this podcast today because there's. I, I'm a true believer. There's a misconception of like the younger kids and the younger generation, the millennials sure. and and uh, uh, Gen uh, Z are the ones using technology time wise more. And I'm almost certain there's research now starting to show that it's not true, that it's the older crowd that is starting to use time-wise more the screen. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, big time. I've seen that research too, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's fascinating because I see it with my mom and my dad. It's like sometimes we don't see each other often. They live in Mexico when they come to visit. And I'm like, mom, put the phone down. Like, I just, right. I'm here. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. Uh, but, uh, but she doesn't mean it, right? It's just like this addiction that, that they don't know it's, uh, they are, I guess, they're dealing with. Um, right. Well, Katie, thank you so much for your time. This has been great. I hope it was also great for, on your end. And um, what we will do is we'll put your information in the notes of this podcast and uh, so everybody can uh, reach out to you. Obviously, if you want to share that uh, uh, paper or that white paper that you mentioned, uh, oh, yes. send me the link and I'll and I will make it available for everybody listening to this podcast as well. Uh, I will. Thank you so much, Katie. It was a pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me, Jordy. Yeah. And uh, for everybody listening, go watch the video. Uh, Katie was on our spotlights last year. And uh, we'll, the link is obviously in the notes of this podcast as well. And until next time, this was the Empower Women series of June. And we hope you have a good day. Mm-hmm.